0: Hello and welcome to Building High Performance Cultures, a weekly series where we talk with executives from top organizations about how they build high performance cultures and how they're leveraging their culture as competitive advantage. I'm Marty Parker, the President and CEO of Waterstone Human Capital. And my guest today is the President and CEO of Empire Company Limited, Michael Medline. Michael, welcome to Building High Performance Cultures.
1: Good to be here. Thanks, Marty. It's
0: great to have you. Now, a little bit about Michael. Michael is a Canadian business leader recognized for spearheading historic transformational change at two of Canada's biggest retail companies. When he took over the helm of Empire Company Limited in 2017, Medline rallied the workforce behind his sweeping vision to revive the retailer and executed one of the most effective turnaround strategies and executions, I would say, in Canadian retail history. As the business worked through, his restructuring roadmap, it launched a major sustainability initiative as the first national grocer to ban plastic bags, introduced a sensory-friendly shopping hour for those with autism and other sensory issues, and invested in world-leading online grocery platform, Voila, by Sobeys. And of course, the organization and its team members have been on the front lines during this, the longest, uh, most difficult challenge we've all faced, in the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Michael began his career practicing law. You may not have known that, but he also worked at the Ontario Securities Commission and PepsiCo Canada, before moving into strategic executive roles at TV Consolidated and Canadian Tire, where he spent 13 years in a range of senior positions before being named the president, later president and CEO. And of course, he became the CEO of Empire in 2017. But beyond his business accomplishments, Michael is active in the community. He serves as a member of the board of the Sick Kids Foundation and is a past chair and current board member of the Retail Council of Canada. And in 2020, Michael was named as the second ever recipient of the Canada's Most Admired CEO in the Transformational Leadership category. And in that same year, Sobeys was named as a Canada's Most Admired Culture winner for the first time. So, Michael, there won't be many, but for those people that aren't familiar with Empire Company Limited, tell us a bit about the organization.
1: Well, well thanks for the overly kind introduction, first of all, Marty. I didn't recognize it. <laughs> um, let me tell you a bit about Empire. You know, we're 114 years old, um, and, and we emanate from the center of our company is in Pictou County, Nova Scotia. So, we're a proud Nova Scotian company that's now national. We are, we're big and we're complex, so I'm going to sum it up for you in a nutshell so it doesn't take up our whole time together. Um, we uh, have 1,700 locations, and you know us mostly through uh, some of our banners, Sobeys, IGA, Safeway, Fresco, Foodland, Farm Boy, and now Voila by Sobeys. We're also big in pharmacy, wholesale, fuel and convenience, and in, uh, in the liquor business, so we kind of span it all. Uh, I have 127,000 teammates uh, across the country and we like to think of ourselves and I'm sure we'll talk about it as a values driven company.
0: Yeah, it is very values driven. Now, culture transformation was a featured element of the three-year plan you put in place early on uh, as your tenure as the CEO. And I'd love to hear a little bit about what that transformation looked like, Michael, and what the company has done to achieve your, your culture goals.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I don't think it's a secret that we are a little bit of a mess, uh, four years ago, five years ago. Um, and you know, every company has that happen to them uh, at some point, you know, and, and I, and every retailer does for sure. Uh, and people always ask me, what did you do to change the culture? I didn't change the culture at all, Marty. Um, it was a good culture. Um, I think what we did as a team is we reawakened that culture and we buffed it up and we shined it and we pointed it in a certain direction because we had lost our way and we all we had to do was really get back to our roots, what we were good at. So concentrate on customers, be innovative, be way more results oriented and do the right thing. And a lot of that is in the community and philanthropic causes that we love so much. A lot of it in many cases like this, when you're turning around a company is you've got to instill the confidence even before you're there yet. And so, the company started to have some quick wins and then got that confidence and got that, what I like to call a Canadian swagger back, right? We're not, we're, we're not modest, but we're not uh, complete braggarts. but we got a bit of that swagger back. We got rid of the Byzantine structure that we had. We nationalized, we made everyone's roles really clear with clear objectives. And we had so much talent inside and we augmented it by bringing some talent in from the outside as well. So it was a complete makeover. But the culture, it was great right away. And that, that came from the Sobe family. Uh, we had a founder, Frank H. a 100 years ago, who was unbelievable. He's a genius. And the Sobe family instilled that culture in every part of our company across the country has that kind of culture now.
0: That's awesome. Let, let, that's a great segue to talk about, you know, the the culture, you know, just to describe the culture at, at Empire Company Limited today, what, what it's really all about.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, what the, one of the reasons I didn't change culture is you can't change a culture like that, right? One person can't come in and change a culture, thankfully, otherwise you'd have different cultures every time you had a new CEO. Um, so I guess what I wanted to bring out in our culture was way more competitiveness. And I'd say now that we are as competitive a company as I have ever seen. That we, we love to win, we need to win, but we do it with values and we do it the right way. And you know, we don't cheat, we do not we do it straight up, but boy, you can tell around here when we've had a good week or a bad week, you can, you can tell it. And that's that kind of results orientation that you have to have at a company. And as I said, you gotta have the values, they gotta be clear and, the, and you have to have the clear aspirations of what you wanna achieve. But I think lately, and I think, you know, the terrible pandemic has helped in this way, actually, that we've become more operational, more stores first. We had to rely on our stores more than ever before. And we found out that not all the great ideas come from, you know, the executive suite or, or from management. So many of the great things that happen in our company emanate from the front lines.
0: Yeah, and, and, and you talk already about confidence, competitiveness and clarity. I mean, those are pretty important things in in getting people focused and feeling like they can succeed. Um, So what does innovation, you know, look like in your industry? And and how have you fostered innovation at Empire Company Limited? Yeah, I've always thought
1: retail was a little, used to be a little slow in innovation and grocery was really slow. But we—it was good here because we talked about culture a second ago, Marty, and and innovation was part of what Frank H. Sobe and this company always had. They were really innovative. In fact, they had the first automated automated uh, doors um, in uh, Atlantic Canada, and people would drive from from hundreds of miles away, and kids would play with the doors to make them open automatically. They thought it was magic. So we always had a little bit of innovation. Um, but, you know, you gotta be careful with innovation because when you're results oriented and you're really competitive, you still want people to take chances. Um, and you don't want, you know, the, the first failure you have in innovation to, to impede that sort of confidence in taking those chances. And anywhere uh, that we've seen where we can thrill our customers more, we've gone for it. And I'll give you a few examples, but there are probably hundreds of them. I mean, what we've done in terms of partnering with Ocado to start off voila e-commerce platform, where there's nothing else on earth like it. It's the most innovative e-commerce uh, engine in the world. Um, where I was, I was in a store yesterday, another store where we put in the smart carts, where you can just put things in your cart and you can walk out. And, and we're experimenting with that and we're seeing how customers like it. We'll see if we want to expand it further. Uh, we were the first uh, company in Canada of any size to get rid of plastic bags. Sobe's got rid of plastic bags. Right behind me is the last plastic bag at Sobeys. They gave it to me framed, I'm very proud of it. Um, and then even in, in, in the pandemic, um, we were the first in North America to put up plexiglass. And now plexiglass is ubiquitous. You can't, I can't walk anywhere without seeing plexiglass. And all of those things were to uh, appeal to our customers and reflect the culture we have, which is to innovate, but innovate in ways that make a difference, not just innovation for innovation's sake. But I think if you don't innovate, I've said before, you're gonna die. Um, and so you gotta keep moving. And so we're a bit like a shark, we keep moving. Um, but it is is—it is here, people are always trying to do things. My job is not to quash that innovation. If someone takes a smart chance, they're not gonna put the company at risk. Um, let's let them do it. And more times than not, it's incredibly successful.
0: Now, you're clearly, Michael, a very passionate and engaged leader. Now, what is your approach to leadership and and I'd be really curious to know how you developed your your own leadership style.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean I don't think about it too much. I kind of just at this point I, I just do it, but I thought you might ask me that, so I was thinking over the weekend about uh, where I you know where I got my leadership style from and how I would uh, how I think about it and first of all, it's really good when you're when you're coming up to have a great mentor and I had a great mentor uh, the CEO of Abitibi Consolidated Ron Oberlander. And I had other great leaders who I admired so much, and I learned so much from. But I was just talking to another CEO in Canada um, last week, and we were talking about how much we learned from the bad CEOs or leaders we served under. And 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 in two ways. One is you learn what not to do. But in, in all, almost every leader, there's things you learn to do, whether you think that person's a great leader or not. And so I, I did a lot of you know, watching and learning when I was young to see what would work for me and what I thought was good leadership. And, you know, a lot of it's just experience. I made so many mistakes in my career, but it's that iteration and the chances you get to to try new things. And I got a lot of chances when I was younger um, to be able to uh, lead small businesses or try new ventures or buy companies. And it's through that iteration that I think, you know, you make mistakes or you succeed and you learn. So I always try to give people more and more chances. And when you ask about my leadership style, and you know, I, I think there's a few things. One, I think people know I'm their teammate and I'll fight in the trenches with them and I'll stick up for them. Also, when they're, you know, unless we've done something against our values or against our culture, I'm there with them. And they know that. And over the last four and a bit years, I, I think we've shown that. I also think you gotta be pretty tough. You gotta have a tough skin. You gotta make tough decisions. But I think you also, to get the most out of people, you have to really challenge them. And the mentor, the great mentors I had, my goodness, they take a piece out of me sometimes because they were trying to teach me and try to make me better in a nice way, not in a bullying way, but in a nice no. way. They didn't mince words. And I think that's how you get the most out of people. I really want to see people succeed. The best is when I see a great um, a great talent that we have, like our, our head of communications, Jacqueline Weatherby, and see her develop through the organization and then become so senior and then through COVID grow so much to become one of our great leaders. That gives me more joy than anything I could tell you. Um, I think you got to be completely transparent. People can tell when you're BSing them. you got to give them what, uh, the truth. And I think I live our values. I think that's the most important thing. They feel that. And the, mo- the biggest thing, the key thing, Marty, is I know I'm not that smart. And I know I need everyone else. And the older I get, the more experience I get, the more I I know I need the team. I need the board. I need our chairman. I need our investors. I need everyone I can to help me out here because I'm not proud. I'm going to take all the help I can get.
0: Wow, What a great attitude that is. And that will take you a long way on its own. Now, what are some of the ways that you and your team are identifying and helping to develop the next generation of of great leaders like like Jacqueline Weatherby, who you mentioned? How do you do it? How do you find them? How do you develop them?
1: And we got a lot of them now. And I think part of it is we decided we needed to give people chances. Most of the uh, successful executives, if you ask them, they were given multiple chances when they were younger and people took chances on them. And so when we see a great uh, talent, we'll, um, we, we'll give them a division to run. We'll give them more responsibility. We've done that recently in the wholesale division and our pharmacy division. And it really, those people are are, are, are really talented and they're hungry. And they see business differently. And so that's a great experience for them. I got to say that COVID has been a great revealer of talent and, and I can see that there's a great cohort of talent coming up in our company. And I'm sure in our competitors and all throughout Canada of people who were younger, but were given great responsibility, but then had to work together as a team. So I think we're going to see some great people and teams coming even better than we have today. We have, uh, one of the most robust talent management and development processes here. That's one thing I didn't really have to mess with much at all. Uh, we had a great HR and great, and great development in this company. I think we've done better over the last number of years, but you have to have that in place. I think an emphasis on DE&I, that ability to um, di- diversify your talent and give people a fair chance has just broadened our, our, our pool of talent. And we're giving more and more people chances so I'm really proud of that and and then again i I also have to get down there tomorrow I'm having breakfast with uh, some of our key directors our high uh, high high developing talent and um, and I get to know them and and they get to know me more and and so you know this is this is partly my job too to be able to identify and, and nurture talent but I can tell you all through the company uh, we do that and our board really drives us to do that we got to great human resources committee. And a lot of the time we spend is on, on developing talent and DE&I.
0: Wonderful. Now you've also got some excellent programs in place, Michael, that tackle both environmental causes, health and wellness causes. So tell us about some of those programs and how you decided what causes to champion as a company.
1: Yeah, well, a, a lot of the time it, it comes from your customers and, and, and from your teammates. And so, um, we, get a, we try to get as much input as we can from our customers. Um, and w- we could tell a number of years ago that we were not doing everything we could on plastics in the store, for instance. And so we we decided to be bold. And as I said, get rid of plastic bags in the store. And now we're, we're going further than that. We're gonna get rid of a lot of the plastic in the store because that's not only the right thing to do, but it's certainly what our customers wanted us to do. Um, Look, there's a lot of risk when you do these things, you know, like we, we sweated it. What if our customers didn't, didn't w- want to bring their reusable bags? What if they didn't like paper bags? What if they didn't know what to pick up the dog stuff with, without plastic bags? Um, but we decided, you know, and this was a, a venture by our, uh, it was uh, heralded by our, uh, uh, our, our head of HR, uh, Simon Gagnier. He said, look, we got to either walk the talk or we don't, Right. And we said, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to take them all out of Sobeys and we're going to take them out of all our other banners. But almost all of these things we do are because either our teammates or our customers are clamoring for them. Um, and then once we do it, we really go bold and we take our chances um, and we do the right thing. And when you do the right thing and you're listening to your customers, it's hard to go wrong.
0: No, that's absolutely right. Tell us a little bit about the Community Action Fund and, and what, what it means to to your team and to your customers?
1: Yeah, we were really worried at the early days of COVID. We've always been huge givers in the community, but in the early days of COVID, um, everyone listening knows how hard it it was and continues to be uh, for charitable institutions or not-for-profits across this this great country. Um, And we wanted to step up and do something. So the the key uh, causes that we uh, are behind, such um, such as Special Olympics, uh, there was no way we could actually do our check stand campaign and raise over a million dollars for them. So we just wrote them a check to make sure they could stay in there. But in the communities themselves, we felt there were so many great um, organizations that were gonna fall by the wayside unless we helped. We also realized, as I said, that our operators in our store know better than we do at Head Office. So we um, we raised a lot of money internally and actually from the Sobe family, who don't take a lot of credit for it. And we parceled out that money to our stores And it was up to the stores to decide in their community who to help Um, and that worked like a charm and there were so many um i got so many letters and emails and and plaudits for what our stores did and how they stepped up even though they were busy trying to put protocols in place and then in the middle of it too um we'd already been working on it but we um we stepped forward on youth mental health a family of support and we now um are, are 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 the are the leaders In terms of supporting uh, children's hospitals across the country um, in terms of mental health and you know you know how underfunded hospitals are in many cases Um, and you know what the last thing that gets the attention often is is the mental health in these children's hospitals and these hospitals are crying out for help and by partnering with them and again in the community deciding what's most necessary them for them across the whole country that energized our entire team uh, and 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 again, I I know I'm mentioning them a lot today, the Sobe family um, uh, just always seems to step forward when we need them on their own. Uh, So the company does things, we do things, our customers do so much, and then the family does a lot too.
0: Well, the family has been doing it for a long time without taking a lot of uh, of accolades or recognition, which is kind of the the Atlantic Canadian maritime. They're they're very
1: modest and they stay in the background, but I, I can't tell you how many at times they've, they've helped out without anyone knowing and uh, yeah. wonder, it's wonderful to be a part, a part of a company like that.
0: I can imagine that it is. Let's move back to the subject of culture. Um, what trends do you foresee Michael in terms of coming in building high performance cultures?
1: Yeah I think you know I, I, I'm not going to go on with things that people already know but I think there's been a lot of change though in the last little while and what's going to come from COVID and the change in the workforce. Um, I know that I'm very concerned we are um, and and other companies are how are we going have how are we gonna have a culture and values if we're not seeing each other at all or as much that's that's one of my biggest concerns that we're a great place to work, but how do you keep that going and that feeling of why Sobie's is special or why some other company is special when people don't see each other? So you can do everything you, you want to do but i gotta I gotta say you're gonna have to bring people back at some point people. This is great, I'm glad I'm talking to you, Marty. I'd rather be doing it in person with other people in the room. Um, this is good, but it, it's 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 way better to be in person. Um, I think that we've talked about it a little bit here, that DE&I and, and sustainability are mammoth opportunities um, uh, that we have to move forward on and that we have a long way to go. We have not conquered either of them at Sobeys, but boy, are we listening and boy, are we taking action. Um, I've noticed lately too, and maybe part of it is working uh, remotely, that um, the executives and and management that are thriving are those that are best at collaboration, who can work cross-functionally. That's always been the case, but it seems to be even more important and elevated today. And that those executives are shining through and being recognized. Um, And then I think more and more, as we've also talked about, that what you do in the community uh, uh, and how you comport yourself and and what you support um, is 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 not only the right thing to do, but is important to your customers and really important to teammates and um, attracting people who uh, uh, to your company to make it even stronger. And and lately we haven't had uh, many issues retaining, and we certainly haven't had any issues attracting. But I think a lot of it is because of that culture and values and 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 what we stand for. Uh, sure, we're successful now, but that's just not enough. You have to do more than that.
0: Well, I think this whole issue of connection is something we're, we're hearing loud and clear, certainly from our clients and our, our, our colleagues. Uh, yeah. We feel it ourselves, all of us are. And I know you get we it. You also, also spoke about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So tell us a little bit more about, about your work and commitment in the areas of diversity, equity, and inclusion.
1: Yeah. And, you know, To be clear, we were doing a lot on this. Um, Prior to recent events, and I, but I think that, you know, out of terrible things can come great things. And the, the, ter- the terrible tragedies we saw with George Floyd and and others has, has spurred on so many individuals and organizations to do more and 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 not just tick the boxes. Um, I think it's energized our organization, um, and um, it's energized me to be completely honest. Um, what we did. Uh, you know, I don't like making promises that are going to happen in 2030 or 2050, or whatever. I like things that can happen and we can make a difference today. But we did go and listen, and and I did, and our executives and our leadership and our board have been listening. But you can you know after a while, people don't want you to just listen; they want you to do things. Um, we have I, I I can't take you through the 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 plans we have to make this an amazing place for everyone to work at and to make it fair um, and to eradicate as much as we can. And it's so difficult to do the systemic racism that exists. Um, But we've embraced that we have issues we need to work on. And those can be uh, anywhere across our whole organization. We have plans to educate. We have plans to take action and give people more chances and to hire and take out some of this systemic bias that we see. we were one of the first signatories of the black north initiative. Um, and and I, I'm actually on the board of that. And, and, and I think Wes Hall has done, just done a masterful job. And, yes. and I think he's the, you know, in, in the last year or even longer, he's been one of the greatest leaders in, in Canada and for what he's done, he should be applauded. Um, but it's not, it's not enough to take a pledge or just sign up or be on a board. We're, we're trying to make a difference and we're doing that all over. And there's all sorts of other things we have to do. I mean, we we have a long ways to go in terms of a and uh, in the indigenous community, uh, where we're, where we have and we're doing the same there. And in terms of, of making sure that uh, no matter who you are, what gender you are, what religion, what what race, uh, what sexual orienta- orientation, that this is the best place you could possibly work. And if we do ever let you down, that we fix it and 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 uh, and get it right. And I am so into it. Um, and and I know that our team is as well.
0: Let's look ahead, Michael. You know, three, four, five years. What do you see as critical to aligning your people, your team members, uh, to your culture and to sustaining this high performance culture that that you've kept, maybe reawakened to some degree, and aligned through the organization? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think just.
1: By our leaders and by the mentorship and a lot of the programs we have in terms of talking about it, that we're doing a good job on that. My biggest worry, Marty, and you probably see this a lot of companies, is that when we were struggling, we were so bold and we would take chances, uh, smart chances, um, and that we would talk about culture and values even more because we were struggling. And the thing that keeps me up most at night, other than the health and safety of our customers and teammates during the COVID, is, um, is are we as brave and courageous, and will we be as brave and courageous and make the decisions that we made before, or do we rest on our laurels and look, everyone thinks we're doing a good job, let's not take any chances. Would we still make the deal with Ocado? Would we decide to take fresh go out west? Um, would we buy Farm Boy? And every day I say, are, 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 we, are we still that bold? And, because we're a better company, we're national, we have process and disciplines, we're better at risk the team is, is 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 a multiple effect better than what it was before so will we still take those chances or will we become too bureaucratic and will the people coming up you know they'll know our culture and values but they won't know how to be bold and courageous uh, Does that makes sense that's,
0: that's, what a, what I'm that's a right. great answer and, and you know my i've, I've heard it many times said that uh you know you uh, The moment you believe you've arrived, you've left. And so you're talking about not believing you've arrived. And I think you're right. And it's in good times that bad habits set in. So the fact that you're asking those questions, I think, will, will help the organization along the way. My last question, Michael, is more of a personal one. And that is, you know, if you were asked to give one piece of advice to a young person or a young leader or someone who's just starting on their high-performance culture journey, what would that advice be?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, as my kids know, I don't like to give advice because what do they want to hear from me? They got to go live their own lives. But I guess if I, you'll never get me to say one thing, Marty. So I'll say maybe two or three things, but awesome. <laughs> would be and uh, you know, pardon the expression, but you got to work your ass off, you know, like it, it, that hasn't changed and it never will change the best people, work hard because they're committed to their job. They have balance in their life and that's very important, but you got to work hard. And that's when you're, especially when you're young and and you've got to learn things, you're not as good at them. Uh, You just got to outwork everybody else. Um, I would say, stay true to your values. Um, Don't bend your values for the company and work at a good company. If they don't give you chances, if you have to keep asking for raises or opportunities, Uh, if you, you're at the wrong place or it's a better place for you where you don't have to do that. So, you know, if you're not happy, um, give it a little bit of a chance, but then get out and go find a place where you're going to fit in more. But, you know, I don't think anything's changed throughout the years. You work hard, you live, you live your values and you find somewhere you really, really fit in. Um, I guess I'll add one more, which is, I always thought it was good, like you should always pretend to be the CEO and like, and think about all the bad things the CEO is doing or if they, they're doing anything good. But I always used to try to uh, pretend I was running the company and try to figure out why the leader of the company was doing certain things. Um, and once in a while, if I had the guts, I would go and talk to the leader and ask them because I couldn't understand what they were doing. Um, but it's almost that practice about thinking about what it's like to be a leader. And it doesn't have to be the CEO, it can be anyone in the, co- in the company, but that's that really worked for me.
0: Well, let's call that curiosity, right? I think I think you know, pondering those questions, asking those questions, in, is really important. And I think that's fantastic advice from from the get-go here today, Michael, you've talked about confidence and connectedness and uh, and competitiveness. You talked about you know the the uh, you know commitment to community, and now we kind of end this with curiosity. it's been it's been a series of C's really, without, uh, without drawing a, a connection to the SEAS in Atlanta, Canada and everything else because Sobeys truly is a national company with a great national vision and they have a great leader uh, who has really helped transform the business. But it was a business that was ready to go, it sounds like, and, and you and your team just kind of unlocked it by finding, uh, you know, great talent, by, by get, giving them a, a, a slightly different purpose, taking chances and acting like you've never arrived. So that I think we've had a lot from Michael Medline today and from uh, Empire Company Limited and I want to thank you again Michael for taking not only your time today to talk about this but to give us some insights on your experiences and we'll be watching closely as, uh, as the, the business kind of unfolds and takes on its new horizon its new future we'll look forward to hearing more about that so thank you
1: thanks Marty and for everyone listening in I really appreciate it thank you
0: thank you michael and join us next week for another episode of building high performance cultures and in the meantime if you'd like to know more about the subject matter please visit waterstonehc.com